Hey guys, welcome back. Um, tonight we are joined by two of our presenters who are going to be at the Secret Space Conference, Rebecca Rose and Daryl James. We're going to be getting into all kinds of stuff, comparing notes, as I like to say. It's, it's. I think the most exciting part about this conference is getting these whistleblowers and these experiencers together and bounce the ideas off each other and see what we can come up with, you know, see what kind of answers we can find. So we're going to dive into that tonight. Um, if you guys want to come to the conference, tickets are available at secretspaceconference.info. That link is in the, in the description. Live stream tickets are available if you can't make it. And if you notice, I'm wearing the official conference t-shirt. I just got mine in the mail. We will have physical copies. Is that what you would say? Physical t-shirts? <laughs> physical uh, shirts. At the uh, physical shirts at the conference if you want to get them there, or you can uh, show up wearing one and get one ahead of time on Teespring. And you can get 20% off of all of our Teespring merch with promo code 20 and back. And that being said, welcome to the show, guys. I'm excited to have you on and uh, see what we come up with. Yeah, thanks for having us. Right. Thank you, y'all again. Yeah, yeah, you guys have been both doing some great work. Uh, Daryl, I saw you recently on the Keystone channel. I know you're doing other interviews, but I caught that one and you got kind of deeper into your life on Tijeta. And I thought that was fascinating. And just some of the information, uh, what's interesting about listening to you guys is you don't can't get everything out of one interview. So each interview, it's like new information trickles out. And that's how you really paint a broader picture. And Rebecca, you've been doing great work with your series, um, Bringing Dark to Light. Is that what it's called? <laughs> what? Other way, other way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bringing light to the dark. Yeah. Um, either way. Yeah, well, yeah. Dark to light is also where we're going from dark to light. That's why absolutely. I. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I have my yeah. own YouTube channel and it's, 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 you know, small and slowly growing. But um, yeah, I, that's where I reveal all the juice that I can't get out on the interviews. There's so much, like you said about Daryl, there's so many layers and so much minutia and subtlety and nuance that I can convey in a, you know, longer period of time there. Right. No, it's important totally. too. Yep. It's important too. And the right people are tuning in and refining you. And uh, it's great. It's great stuff. Honestly, it's very compelling. It's it's a shame more people aren't hearing it, but we're trying to do something about that. So, uh, and that's part of the reason we're doing this. We're going to be doing this just uh, for the audience. We're going to be getting, doing this with all the speakers um, who are going to be presenting at the conference. And we're going to maybe as it gets towards the end, do one big round table. We'll see how that pans out. But until then, um, so you guys have had um, one common denominator in your testimonies. You guys have both had experiences with Michael Aquino. And if you guys don't know who he is, I will put a picture of him on the screen real quick because a lot of people don't actually know who that is. And I think it's interesting because we don't we have all these testimonies out there, but we don't have a lot of common denominators. And you guys both have a common denominator with uh, with this person. And I was wanting to see if you guys would be interested in comparing notes and seeing what we can come up with. Well, I mean, like I said, I saw him um, just on the base. Like I said, he was at the quarter deck, like looking through paperwork, and I saw him there. And the only reason I recognized him immediately is that I saw him on Oprah when I was a kid. And I saw like the eyebrows and everything else like that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I saw him and I saw it was like uh, something else that was controlling him i guess um one of the guys on base that guy orlando he 
it was when I really didn't have any memories, but I was still in the military. Because uh, what happened to me was I went within the first shoot two or three months when I got to this command. So I still spent like over almost two years, you know, over a year on this base afterwards. And uh, yeah, I was told that there was some sort of machine or something like that where they have to get them when they're not too young because the body will be sedentary most of the time and uh, the body will die if it's sedentary for too long, you know, the bones and everything, but they have to do it before puberty for some reason. And he didn't know why. And he said that somebody else told him about this. And uh, he said it can somehow extract like the consciousness or the soul or whatever you want to call it out of the body. And then something else can project its consciousness into that body and use it as like a, like an avatar or a meat puppet or something. And uh, he said that's what happened to Aquino, and he brought that up. And I, at the time, I really had, I really didn't know what, the, what he was talking about. I really didn't have that much memory of him meeting the man. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that was my initial, you know, that's how I first saw him. And, uh, you know, and the caverns underground, underneath the base, I saw the real him and stuff like that. And Like I said, he looked almost like a, like a black racer's head, like a, like an onyx black snake's head coming out of a humanoid body with a, uh, like a red cloak and a red robe. It wore like a red cloak over its head and a red robe. And, uh, he told me that he was, uh, worshiped in ancient Egypt at one time. That was one of the things they live a long time. And he told me that, that, um, I mean, I have a lot more, you know, I spent a couple of days with him. So, yeah, that's it's 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 fascinating to hear you describe him with the snake head. That's really interesting to me, actually. We hear about this stuff in ancient cultures, but like Egypt and stuff like that. But to still be walking around beneath our feet is something we just really don't think about every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he told me. He, I mean, just I don't know. He was he was very arrogant, and he uh, he almost liked to brag. He liked to brag about himself. He liked to brag about others he knew, things like that, you know. And so, and Rebecca, you've you've had experiences with him. So, what do you? Yeah, I mean, like Robert, as he's saying, yeah, he was, you know, what were the words? Gloating, like, like he. I remember, I remember. I call him the Colonel, so I don't have to say his name too often. Um, Kind of, I mean, my impression of him was very much the same as he was. he was very uh, shifting between human and non. He was not an entirely corporeal entity in, in, a, in a way, or not a terrestrial entity, even though he was had that sort of human body. Um, and just glorying in the magnificence of what he had created with, it. my experience with him was at Montauk and um, in ritual, satanic ritual. We were, we kids in the cages, below ground would be taken up periodically to the colonel and his associates out and it'd be night and there would be a ritual and it was horrifying we'd be drugged and raped and sent out to the woods and we began to know what to expect and inevitably a child would be sacrificed usually a male child um and that's horrifying horrifying but the colonel would be just kind of standing there having his associates and henchmen kind of carrying things out so to speak but all the energy was kind of coming down through him. And he was the, the high priest of the dark, the darkest of dark there. 
completely feeding on it. And then thence other, um, other beings being, you know, fed by the whole situation and through him. So it's one big feeding orgy with the children and the, the blood ritual, blood sacrifice. Um, horrible. Right. I have, I said to you, Daryl, before, I'm sure that guy was cloned because he, he made it the rounds. How many places on this planet, how many victims, thousands of people he victimized. So it, it is pretty interesting because you don't hear too much in the space program stuff about him showing up. I don't think, I'm not sure. Um, well, Daryl, were your experiences with him on earth before you left? Yeah, yeah, like, well, it was when I came, it was before and when I came back, but you know, because the whole time travel thing. It was all the same was, time, yeah. Yeah, for him, it was, you know, maybe seconds or minutes, for him, it was only minutes, you know, when I left and I came back, but yeah, it was just that time whenever I, I saw him on the, uh, before I joined the program, whenever they were just kind of like checking me out and seeing, you know, they wanted to see if I had the the grades to make it or whatever and then i remember i saw him uh we we had like a bake sale you know for the navy ball or something like that and i volunteered to make brownies and uh this was after i came back this was probably like a year into the command that i was in and uh i set him down on the table and it was at the quarter deck where i first saw him and i just turned around and i saw him there and he was just smiling at me and staring smiling and i just and i really didn't remember him at all and i just thought like why is this guy like staring at me it was really bizarre and uh those are the first those are the only two times i really saw him in that kind of a chino form and when i saw him before yeah like i said he kind of when i saw him in under the underground cavern he he did like this trick where it, it, it seemed almost like a trick where it was a, it was a chino in my face at first and then it was kind of like the reptile next it was it kind of like merged it felt like that. And then I kind of saw the reptile kind of scurry back into the shadows. And then Aquino was standing there and I just kind of like leaned over and I said, nice trick. Cause I saw like what he did. And, uh, he stepped out of the shadows and he said, yeah, well, it works on most. And, uh, <laughs> busted cover blown. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was weird. It was eerie. You know? Right. And it's interesting to me that People like this get spots on Oprah and tells you everything you want you need to know about right. the whole system, right? Right. But these people are yeah. given a stage. And you know, in some yeah. some cases, these people are idolized depending on who it is. And you know the fact everyone. that he was a he was a colonel, right? In the military. Yeah, he was a colonel. He was a colonel, yeah. Like how did does... he authored a whole military playbook on mind control? I mean, he was famous for this. Famous, yeah, famous exactly and out and out as the head of the temple of set while he was in the military doing this through yeah. the 70s and 80s um, mm -hmm. it's not like this was hidden information yeah it's all public yeah yeah the uh the soulless vessel concept meaning like he's being used for as an avatar um that's something that's really fascinating to me and we've covered this before on the show but I don't think people consider this enough as is we this might be the case with a lot of people, such as our president, even our president. Um, it's interesting. We see different personalities coming through sometimes in different versions. And I wonder if that's if that's not just happening to somebody like him. Yeah, I mean, it could be. It's just that 
you know, I, I've never heard, I've never heard anybody put it that way though, either. You know what I mean? The, the way it was described to me, it was just something like a technology that was on this base that the guys openly talked about. And it was just something that like the guys that worked in the underground base, that just knew about it. And it was very strange and bizarre. The way it came up was this, I don't even know. The guy just came up. It was almost, well, the guys were like, they were almost like monitoring me to see if I had like memories. I remember, you know, the command had them, uh, Ask, I, they would kind of ask me strange questions out of the blue, and I really didn't know like how to respond to it because I didn't have any memory of it at the time. And uh, yeah, it was just it was just very matter of fact when the, the way the guy described it. It was he just came up to me and, and said it straight up, and he was saying it to see if it jogged any kind of memory, and so he you know report back on me to the command. Didn't you say that he would like sit in a chair all day and just not move, and? eventually it's like like it was just like an empty vessel just sitting there am i mistaken about that well yeah that guy orlando he said uh he it, it, i think he was gonna be talking he, when he, he was talking about it was during that same conversation and he said that he went to the underground base he did a 12-hour shift and i guess as you're walking through it there was like a break room on the side with like a one of those long rectangular windows you walk and he said he was sit, standing at the, the end of the table um or sitting at the end of the table, just staring ahead. And uh, he said he, he did a 12 hour shift and he came back. And when he walked out, he was just sitting in that same exact table, just staring straight ahead. So, Right. Yeah. That's, that's creepy. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And when I asked him, when I, when I asked him, I said, uh, he said something else was like replacing the consciousness or whatever, the soul. And I said, well, what is it? And he said, I don't know. Like they didn't know. And it kind of freaked them out to think about it. Because I don't know. I, it makes you wonder, like, so I really wonder if these programs are still continuing. Like, like the people we have coming forward now are older adults, you know, are varying ages, but it's we're not getting young people with these stories of this mind control and all this stuff. And I, you know, I would love to to believe that it stopped completely, at least the negative part of the programs. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Or do you think this is still occurring? Yeah, I've asked this question too, you know, inwardly, like what is happening right now with this? I think it's transformed. I don't think it's completely gone, but I, I think you're right. There's a, I, I mean, I think there's been a, a shift in how things are done and maybe those objectives, um, what, what's going on out there. Uh, I don't know. Right. It almost seems like we're kind of like all these early programs were almost like experimental they didn't they didn't really know what they were creating they didn't know the beast the, the, the monster that they were creating and now we're seeing the results of that and it's really messy unfortunately yeah, i can't agree more with that because when i my whole program was like all the all the abductions and everything all the, all the programs i was taken into i just always felt like this was all r and i mean they didn't they were precise about what they were doing. And yet it was always like they were reinventing something and, you know, the mad scientist kind of thing with, with a dash of like psychotic energy thrown in. Um, yeah. Right. A dash of psycho. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's two, the, the recruitment process is diff, is interesting to me because you guys both have different, completely different stories, actually. Uh, Rebecca, you started at a young age, and Daryl, as far as you know, yours started uh, in in the military, correct? Yeah, mine started in the military, and uh, yeah, it was just like I said. I they I was only on the base for three days, two two or three days, 
and the uh, one of the guys came in and said, you're going to have to um, escort some civilians in the underground base. And uh, so, and it was strange to me that I was only there for it was two or three days, and I only had a secret clearance because I could use a radio pack, and that you need a, a secret clearance for that to handle crypto and everything else. But uh, I had no, like, top secret clearance, and it was strange to me that they had me going to the underground base. And, uh, but yeah, like I said, when I walked in, there had, like, these sliding glass doors, and I walked in, and uh, as soon as you walked in, there was, like, this metal detector, and the uh, civilian guys, there were uh, Siemens workers, they didn't want to go walk to the metal detector, so I didn't want to do it either. But then there was, like, a guard behind the... Uh, uh, behind like a table like stainless steel table and he said no you walk through and so I, I just thought it was a metal detector and i walked through but i don't know it just turned out it was just like some sort of machine that could figure out anything from iq to whether or not you had high cholesterol whether or not you had clots like i said it it, it could tell if you drank or if you smoke or anything like that it could mm. tell anything it was just something you walk through and didn't even think about and right. the guys walk through it every day and they had to walk through it and the guys who worked in the in the base actually told me that you know it was one of those bases where they made them strip naked before work and weigh themselves, and then they had to strip naked and then weigh themselves on the way out to make sure nothing was taken. It was like one of those mm -hmm. types of things, and it, you can only be off by like a pound or something like that, you know, just for eating and things like that. Wow, that's really interesting. But uh, the what my the point I was getting at was so your recruitment essentially they told you what you were going to be doing before they took you right like and then is that not how it worked with you like you kind of were told like hey we're gonna you're gonna be pilot of a four kilometer long starship and then by the time you came back you forgot all that anyway so it didn't matter but they had to get your consent as to where rebecca's was more of an abduction type of story is am i correct about that oh yeah like yeah the guy talked to me of uh, the executive officer of the command his name was robert and he talked to me like a used car salesman about it. And he was like really trying to sell me into the idea of it and everything else. And uh, I had to sign like, you know, a, pretty much like a book of paperwork. And it, and it was it was to the point where it was so much signing where the guy was just pointing, you know, he already had like the lines that I had to sign an initial X and he was just flipping the papers for me. And he said, sign here, 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 and, you know, sign here, initial here. And it took like 10 minutes. It was just so much paperwork I had to sign. It took me about 10 minutes to do it. So yeah, it was definitely like something I had to volunteer for. It was something that, it wasn't something that they could, you know, just take me. But uh, it was also one of those things where, you know, in the military, a big thing that they use on you is, uh, I remember I, I asked them, I said, if I volunteer for this, this is the XO when he was trying to get me to do it. I said, if I volunteer for this, will I remember this conversation? He said, probably not. And I said, well, if I say no, will I remember? And he said, yes, but it'll ruin your career. And that's like something that they always put on you, like putting your head in the military and stuff like that. You know, if you don't do this, it'll ruin your career. So and he, he made it seem like it was just like a job killer. So I don't know. It, that was kind of it too, but it was also, you know, it, it, my ego as well. So... I mean, it was something I volunteered for. Daryl, was that in two, like 2000? What year was that? This was 2003 because I remember it because I was in Iraq in 2002. So this was 2003. Why do you ask that, Rebecca? 
I'm so because I'm curious, man. I, these like we're talking about the, the the programs changing over time. I was taken over 20 years earlier. So like, wow, you know how the, the I mean, I was a little kid. Right. And then, you know, you were you were whatever, 20 years. I was 25. Yeah. At the time, so I, 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 this was my second command. So I was already in the Navy five years. Before right. That. Right. Yeah. Very different. Yeah, it's yeah. very it's fascinating because we that's why I wonder, like, so yours. OK, let's break this down. So there is the like the Nazi program, which is for lack of a better term, Nachtwaffen or whatever, Dark Fleet, whatever. They're abduct, they're abducting mm -hmm. children into slavery and trafficking, whatever else it might be, cloning them, using them in this in the space program. Then you have Daryl's case where people are being recruited and consenting to it, signing up, volunteering, and they're going to work for the, the Navy, a, a supposedly benevolent faction of it. But once you're in, anything can happen. It seems there's no rules at all because Daryl didn't. lawless. Come on, Tyler. It's totally lawless. There's right. no, it's no yeah. rules. Right. You, you have no rights to them. Yeah, it's just. Well, it's yeah. just like the, the recruitment process is the facade in your case daryl because like didn't you end up spending time with dark fleet well yeah it was this it was i uh what got me was i i uh, poked the, that reptile in the eye when it was trying to put me in the density chamber chair is what it was and uh i remember robert told me he said they were going to put you in for 40 years on the moon in the mines and uh i guess there's like a punishment that they can do to you where uh I get, you know, mm -hmm. if you tick off the wrong person, the wrong politician, wrong general or admiral, you do something really bad that they can uh, do that to you, put you in the yeah. minds of the moon and stuff like that. And they'll do it for 40 years and they won't wipe your mind. They won't wipe your memory, he said. And he said that like most people commit suicide within the first six months when they still have memories. And it's something they, they kind of do on, they just do on purpose as a punishment for people. You mean they bring them back with with their memories and with their memories? Yeah, they age regress them and they they send them back in time, but they let them keep their memories. And it's just a punishment. Wow. But it's like something, you know, you really have to you have to do something pretty bad. And, uh, you know, like kill somebody's son or something like that kid. You know, I, I, I've heard like things like that happen, but they were willing to do this to me just for that small incident, because, you know, they kind of have a policy of, you know, you're human and you're nothing compared to them. You're just like creatures or animals compared to them. And that even the Germans have that too. Huh? Mm -hmm. That seems to be their mindset, definitely, from everything I've heard. Yeah, like, and even the Germans, Germans are, are like, nothing. you know, we're better than them kind of attitude. Even they mm -hmm. kind of have that attitude as well. And I remember, like, I asked Robert, I said, like, why did the one German that really couldn't stand me, the one that uh, he was on the base as well, he was a first-class petty officer on the base. I said, uh, why does he like those things so much? Was he raised by them? And he said, yes. So I guess like on their world, they're kind of like, they not only are taught to work with them, but they are raised with them as well. You know, they, I think probably from childhood, you know, the Germans are. Right. That's It's all fascinating because Re Rebecca, I know you like to, you've been talking about um, my lab family, ex um, seeding oh, or however you worded it i forgot I, how you yeah, worded it. i have not not really a good term to myself i call it the my love family breeding program because breeding that's program. what i'm looking at in my own damn family 
like a year ago when we interviewed, I was not ready to see this. Talk to me now. It's totally different. Um, yeah, I mean, I see the the bigger context of which this is all underpinned in my family. Like my father was working with a top secret clearance for Lockheed, the army, the Navy. Both my parents were in the military. My mother was a breeder with reptilian German. Rept, you're talking about the Draco and the Germans, totally in my mother's side of the family. That was all planned. I also believe and see now that my father was taken in 1952 when he was nine years old, just like I was taken in 1982 when I was nine years old. No joke. So, and my brother was taken, who was four and a half years older than me. <clears throat> so <clears throat> this is all, I think a year ago, I wouldn't have been able to say, yeah, this is all masterminded before I was born. And since I saw you last, I think it was sometime last spring, I was given multiple visions of the same thing day after day in meditation for several days on end of my dad sitting with guys in suits, guys in the Navy and a couple of grays in this you know formal kind of room and he's signing papers. And what I hear over and over is they're telling him this is for the betterment of humanity. He's signing me away and my brother away before we even came in. Wow, that's huge. That's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been, I, when I first, I didn't want to see that. I didn't want to know about that. Like, I don't, I'm not, this isn't happening. Um, because it just, it, it takes it a level deeper, like the sinister nature. And then I like really looking at all this stuff right in plain sight in my family, like this is all here and I never saw it. I felt so stupid, but you're not supposed to see it. And I'm a little kid and I'm totally dissociated because there's so much fucked up stuff going on in my family. You're not supposed to know. Right. Yeah. But it, it yeah. really is uh, like, you know, I'm almost 50 and I'm like reframing my life in this context. And it's like, oh, blow your mind up. Right. And <laughs> I think you know, probably most viewers know I didn't get a lot of the space memories back until my father was close to death to two. Yeah. Two years ago. Um. They were working him. He was mind controlled. I'm sure when he was signing those papers, you know, he was, he mm -hmm. was, he was not right in his own mind while he was working for these places and doing all the, you know, intelligence work with the Navy and um, all kinds of projects working with, you know, the NASA stuff and going to CIA headquarters and traveling around. He wasn't a sovereign free person at all. Yeah. It seems yeah. to be the case for most most of these people who are, who end up and they basically start off in like a three letter agency or what, however it looks in the military. And then they're slowly steered into a position without even them, without them even knowing it. Well, and this also doesn't just happen within um, like military and three letter agencies. It also happens in regular corporations and com yeah, companies. They they'll mm -hmm. have their eye on a certain employee and they'll, they'll get a position that they never they didn't have any training for, or they'll just seem to be steered into a certain department and eventually yeah. they'll be presented with an opportunity. Uh, it's very, it's, it looks different for everyone, I'm sure. But it's, so yeah, keep, it's so keep offering them. It's, mm -hmm. Go ahead, Aaron. What you no, I was just going to say they, uh, they, like Tyler, like you said, they have their eye on a certain person based on, their traits and who they are and then they'll keep offering them things like you said to steer them into these things and 
if the person keeps agreeing, then they, they go down that road, but at any moment they could, you know, for whatever reason, choose to be like, no, you know, I don't want to do that. Um, so it's almost like they, they manipulate. It's like the people still have free will and they're choosing it, but they're manipulating them to they're choose groomed. what they like, want. Daryl was yeah. I see Daryl's process as being they're like, groomed. Hey, sweetie, this is going to be hot shit for you. Like it's a grooming process. Yeah, dude, you're going to, yeah. Tap in this ship and all of that. So anyway, that's my two cents. <laughs> yeah, because they can't just if they they knew if they just come out and tell you everything, they're never going to agree to it. <laughs> so they kind of they slyly manipulate you to keep agreeing and steering you into it. Yeah, I had totally something kind of similar happen to me on the base. It was uh, I found out later that like everybody on the base knew it. Because I was mm -hmm. tortured for like two days, and anybody who worked in the underground base, it was like a gossip thing that was going around on base, and I had no idea. Because I worked in the garage, and it was actually kind of like the guy I didn't like. He was like a jerk. He, uh, when I first came back and I woke up in that morning, he was waiting for me out in the hall, and he's like, "Ah, you made it back. Twenty years is a long time. Some guys don't make it back." He was kind of a jerk, but then I found out that like he was, I don't know, I guess the closest thing. To a friend I had there because uh before he left the command he invited me into his room and he kind of leveled with me and he said you know everybody on base he's like you were tortured by Kino for two days he said doesn't that piss you off does that make you mad and I said I don't remember I don't know what you're talking about and he said everybody on the base knows it he said you, you know everybody knows what happened to you mm -hmm. and uh you know, nobody, nobody saying anything. And he was the only one that bothered to say anything to me. And Robert, before I left the uh, XO, he told me that, you know, I knew this guy named Tim. He was like a civilian. And his dad was, I think, Royal Air Force, like a chaplain in the Royal Air Force. And he was actually spying on me. It was just, it was kind of like to see if I had any kind of memory pop up at all. I had this one friend named David. He was doing the same thing. So it was pretty much like guys on the base. They were just like, kind of like spy let's find i mean the guys that worked in the underground base and i had no idea you know what i mean at all and they was just kind of like they were just trying to see if i had any memory at all whatsoever because mm -hmm. i remember uh was that same guy orlando came up to me another time he would just say weird stuff and he was like hey daryl do you believe in those reptilians and i went no and he like told me about it and i was like what no and he's like oh neither do i but johnson does and you know i was just asking you if you ever like believe in things like that he's wow. testing you right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. They, they were like kind of just trying to figure out if whether or not i had any kind of memory of and it was something at the time i was completely oblivious i had no idea yeah it's but, gauging uh, gauging your reaction yeah 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 and it was just, they were just like spying on me and whenever robert told me all this he came clean he just told me all this stuff all these people that he was like sending out to like make sure that i had no memories of this and yeah it is you know great deal of betrayal i guess and it turned out the guy that i thought was a jerk was actually a friend <laughs> right oh, yeah really? this is interesting because um the reason i brought up the recruitment process is because of william tompkins in his book talks about um being working for one of the programs the think tanks i don't know the whatever it was where they were working on this age regression technology and he said it wasn't until the eight nineteen eighty when the Navy finally started their 
20 and back program in 1980. And he said they were, according to Tompkins, he said they were taking millions of people. I don't know how that was possible. That's a bit, that's a pretty large number for just, you know, Navy. Um, but he described the technology and to me, like there's gotta be, that was in the 80, like, and like I said earlier, we're seeing the results of an experimental technology. They've had to have perfected it in a way now to where uh, it's not so sloppy. And I just think it's interesting. I think it's interesting that we have somebody like Tompkins bringing a testimony. It just validates. It's another level of validation in my eyes. I, I'm talking about the past. I think I remember Robert saying something about the 80s or something like that. It's been around since then. I remember, like I said, it, this is deeper back in my other story. There was the first class petty officer that first showed me like the little drone, the little gray. They call them drones, little worker things. And uh, he said that, uh, you know, it was something that we, we, he said we had a base in 1970 on the moon is what he told me. He was just telling me like casually telling me stuff. And he said that the, the Russians didn't have a base, but they had like capabilities of, of sending a nuke there. And he said that at 1970, they nuked it and it set us way back. And it wasn't until Ronald Reagan that we really started getting back into the space program. And he told me that the, the Star Wars program was like a way to funnel money into it. Like the Star Wars program was pretty much, it wasn't even like real as far as, and that was like satellites shooting down nukes from the Russians so they wouldn't be able to attack us. He said that they were just funneling all that money into the secret space program. And it was just a cover story the entire time. Yeah. And then I asked, I asked Robert later on, and I said, why do you work with these things? I asked him and he, he just said, we have a contract, which almost kind of makes me kind of think of uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower. He didn't even go, he, he, I don't think he really went into it, but he just said, we have a contract. And contracts are really huge, especially with them. Yeah. A lot bigger than you think. Yeah. 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 They use those programs as covers a lot. Like Operation Moondust is one I know in particular that was around at the same time. And it, its public description was it was um, it was like a military branch that was um, collecting any fallen space debris from rocket launches. But and the official, the, what the real reason was to actually retrieve wrecked UFOs. Rebecca, I, I know you've recently been getting into your memories, your space memories. Uh, I, I don't know if do you believe you've served in a twenty and back, or what's that looking like to you now? Or yeah, absolutely, yeah. I just uh, it's it's hard. I always feel like it's a little more. I think because of all the cloning. You know, there's these, I think there are times when there was more than one of me out there. So that can have this, give this effect of um, being out there more than 20 years, right? You've got this overlap of selves, so to, so to speak, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so for sure. I mean, and, and I have this gap between, so I have a lot of information about moon and Mars and, you know, all the other things that were going on on Earth before really all this happened right and then planet x way out in the kuiper belt which is toward the end of my service and there's this big chunk that i have these like slices of okay i'm piloting somewhere but i don't know where i am and there's a bunch of that and i i do suspect solar warden i wouldn't say that officially but the piloting and the sense of being there's so many there's there's outposts and bases and substations out there in places that we don't have names for I think that's part of me not knowing exactly where I am, 
it might just have a numerical value to a coordinate, you know, out in space. Like this is where you are. This is, this is, this is the mission right now. And it's like, I, I don't, I can't locate this exactly. So it's sort of balling up the works, but there's a big chunk that's, that's trying to come through, but I have, I mean, I have a lot. I still have a, a enormous amount of information. I feel, you know, more right. than I, I did 10 years ago, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, a lot of the whistleblowers say that the planets are referred to as numbers. It's like they each have a coordinate or a number, like Earth would be like H34 or something. It would be, you know, whatever yeah. the case may be. Totally. And there's so much. There's so much out there. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And slowly, you know, more like I remember, I've been remembering, as you know, singular people that were important in my experience out there. I was remembering that not all of the you know, I was a cyborg clone that was fully weaponized as an asset when I was owned by the Draco out on Planet X. And I was remembering, a, um, I guess we could call him a friend. He was my superior, but I call him the, the pig man of Planet X because he had a, he was a bipedal, you know, buffed out kind of, you know, fierce looking dude, but his head was, the reference I have would be a swine. I mean, it's kind of strange, right? Like, he had this armor on his chest that was built into his body, like a maroon colored armor. And he, he was sort of a teacher and an overseer for the Draco. So we wouldn't, weren't always in having to interface with a really scary Draco. Um, but I had this sense too, as the memory of Kim came back to me that he had had my back in some way. And that's mystifying to me, but there was a camaraderie with him, which I really appreciate because so many of the memories that I have, are so bad. It makes it difficult, I think, for us to want to go deeper into our experiences. So I appreciated that. And he was interesting in that his, his skin would change color a little bit according to his mood and to his intent, like a little bit of blue or green. Oh, um, wow. That's really yeah. interesting. Just really interesting details like that. Um, so something to be thankful for. I was patrolling out there and he he was sort of overseeing a lot of us who were, you know, there was a lot, there were others like me who were human and a bunch of other, I don't know if these were entirely their own races. I suspect a lot of augmentation and hybridization, experimental beings, but he was extremely intelligent in advance. Um, far most so I would say than myself, even though I had been incredibly augmented for other purposes, not necessarily intelligence per se. Um, but the Draco were, um, I just remember the Draco being like, you know, <laughs> Daryl, when you talk about like, yeah, I just elbowed that Draco, which, what did you just do? Stick his, your elbow in his eye or something? Yeah, they're going to- I stuck my thumb in his eye. Yeah, yeah, that. Like, yeah. I remember them coming by and you just, your mind melded with them. They know what you're thinking. Granted, as a slave, you're not supposed to be thinking anything, right? Like, I'm a completely, utterly mind-altered, cloned slave. No, nothing of my own, right? But they're knowing everything that's inside my head. And you just look down and hope they don't, you know, don't let me think a bad thought right now. Because they would give us this holographic kind of, you know, punishment and reward system of, of if I do good, they'll send me into this beautiful realm through the power of their minds. They're all famous for holographic experiences. And if I fuck up, man, they're going to punish me and it's going to be horrible. They will send me into a hell realm like that, just thinking about it always wed with the mind of the Draco. It's horrible. It's like, anyway. they're, just, they're just like throwing their power around. Um, yeah. So if they can do that 
to you in the programs, um, I think that would explain a lot. They can do that to people here on earth in their dream state. Totally. Um, they could phase into the bedroom and do whatever they need and create an entire false experience, which I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure we've had, we've had a few episodes uh, covering that. Um, but it's really interesting to hear you describe it in that way. It kind of helps paint a better picture and how they actually accomplish it. It's, yeah. really, it's yeah. really just an ability that they have as a species, I guess. It's inbuilt. I mean, they're very, I mean, I always think if, if we could turn this, the Draco energy around and use this for positive, it's, I mean, they're very powerful. Unfortunately, it's been aligned with dark force, you know? And, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The, the, the skin changing color aspect that's pretty interesting to me have you encountered that at all there uh daryl and then he no, I, I don't remember i don't remember skin chasing but i do remember uh i was told something later on about i just heard uh, another time about um they have a way of communicating where it's physical and audio mm -hmm. and kind of telepathic all at the same time and i remember that when it would it leaned into me before i poked it in the eye and it had its hand on my chest and its fingers over my shoulder. And it made almost like a sound the way uh, like an alligator does when uh, and like mating season where it can make the water kind of flutter. It, it was almost like a, a frequency where I couldn't um, I couldn't hear it, but I felt it rumble in my chest. I felt like a growl, like a like a rumble in my chest as it leaned in. And as I got closer, then I actually heard like a sound. And it was like a growl, kind of a rumble. But yeah, like I, I, I did notice how, you know, communication can be both physical and audio and, you know, telepathic all at the same time. Right. I actually, uh, did just, I guess, a week ago, woke up to that sound next to me. Um, I've been at, at the receiving end of these attacks for years now, and they've slowed down a lot and they're getting a lot weaker. But I woke up and I, I, I briefly saw what I would call a reptilian. It was just out of the corner of my eye. But what woke me up was that alligator sound that you're talking about. I can't even mimic it, but it's just like that rumble, growl type of thing. Uh, it was like right in my ear. And immediately I just did a clearing and, you know, like, get out of here, nice try, you know, <laughs> type of thing. But I know that sound you're talking about. Uh, it's It's kind of scary what they're capable of. That's why it's so important to protect your space every night before you go to sleep. Yeah. I mean, the astral and the astral abduction part is very, I mean, it's, I know I've had times where I've dismissed things that had happened to me early on that were just, just, you know, they weren't really taking my body. So it must not have been anything, but that's like, just as a Draco can torture you out of your mind and nearly kill you. Well, they wouldn't want to kill you. They'd rather just torture you because they enjoy that. But, you know, thinking, well, it wasn't my physical body, so it couldn't have been anything real, but it's so real, you know? Yeah. So, well, we feel that's that's another interesting concept. So, Daryl, your your SSP version, for lack of a better term, your SSP self, was that you believe that was a clone, right? Or do you think that was you? And then, so how does this, did that work in your case? Was it your one body the whole time? I think it was me. I had an experience with the clone, and uh, I don't know. It was so long long ago. Robert told me something about that or something. I don't really remember. But yeah, I, I had an incident where I saw a clone of me, but this was me. Like, I, like I went through some sort of portal and I wound up like in a hospital bed that I later found out was on the moon and everything else. And I met that woman 
April that was on the base with me there. Yeah, I mean that was all me. That that wasn't a clone as far as I know. Okay. Because I was yeah. gonna what the point I was gonna make was that I I really believe, and I think we discussed this with you before, Rebecca, yeah. that when something happens to your clone, your physical body here, you feel it subconsciously, you feel some of that. Um, the I the, like this is pretend one of your clone gets injured. Um, you might wake up with and you have a sore arm all day and you don't know why. Yeah. Yeah, because it's still part, I mean, it, how do we say, you know, it's still kind of, I mean, it's part of us. It's part of us. I mean, I have horrible memories of dying out there as a clone that are, it, it's it's every bit as um, emotional. It's very moving, you know, to go through that. You just think, oh, it's just a replica of me. Oh, but you're fully in the experience in a way too. So I know this gets slippery to talk about in linear sort of 3D limited terms, because how do we parse this out in a way that's cognitively makes sense? It doesn't all make sense. Not, 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 it's a quantum, you know, making sense of, I think, beyond space and time and the limits of our knowledge. Right. It really, it, it takes a lot to really wrap your head around sometimes. It does. Well, because and for the people who are like, those people are just crazy. I like, I get it because some of this, I think I have it figured out, like, uh, in my mind, like, okay, how did that work? And then it just kind of slips away and blows up and I'm, I'm back in my 3d self. And I'm like, I, I don't get this. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, sometimes you feel like you're going crazy yourself. So you don't blame somebody else for thinking that. Totally, yeah, I and, get it. And know? it's something that if you don't really have an experience with, um, yeah. any type of paranormal or ET experience or anything, if you don't, if you're not an experiencer, this stuff seems way, even further out there because it's just so far out of your reality, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why we, that's where, that's the people that laugh at us, you know, and which happens. <laughs> I had a random Facebook guy. I don't even know message me. He's like, Oh, you should put that. You're a retard conspiracy theorist in your, in your bio or something yeah. like just some guy. I'm like, okay, like, thanks. thanks cool. Dude. Thanks, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what's interesting. So, the age regression part I wanted to get to earlier. So a friend of mine actually had a good theory or a good analogy, came up with a good analogy on how this technology works. What Because that, that's the hardest part. That's where you lose people a lot of times. Like they can believe in a space program, but the age regression tech and the 20 and back, that's the hardest part. And somebody told me that like, I was thinking about it. It kind of sounds like it's kind of just like no different than a reincarnation cycle let's just pretend so our higher self whatever a version of us comes down into this body and lives its life and then once it once that time is over it goes back to where it came from the high it goes back to your higher self so it's like the same technology it's like they were just trying to mimic that technology into a more condensed version i don't know that was the hardest part for me to like believe myself you know, right. They had me do it. Yeah, that was definitely the hardest part for me, because uh, I even said that to Robert. I said I, I can believe, you know, I, I can believe in time travel and I can believe in, you know, space programs. But I, I said I find that age regression thing that that's just too hard to believe. And I remember whenever he was trying to get me to uh, get my mind rewiped before I got out of the military. I thought about it and I said, well, I said, I want my, he already told me about the age regression. I said, I want my two years back. And uh, he said, what do you mean? I said, I, I want to be age regressed 20 years, I, uh, two years. I mean, I said, if you're going to take, cause he wanted to take the two years when I was in that command 
you know, because you really, I don't think you can like go into and like take out a certain part of the memory. It's kind of like you just have to wipe a certain time. You know what I mean? It seems like how it works. And I said, I want my two years back. I want to be age regressed two more years. And it, he said, I don't have uh, access to that technology. And I said, what is it? I said, how does it work? And he said, it's a series of injections. And that's how he put it to me. And, uh, but, but he even talked about whenever I had the memories and stuff like that, and I was talking about it, it, he even talked about it almost like it was a past life. He kept on saying like, Daryl, that's not you. That's not you. You don't understand that it's you, you know, you, you have to, you have to get this out of your mind. This isn't you. But then, then again, he said, like, he, he asked me to make two promises. He said, uh, he said, I'd like, he said, take an IQ test. And he said, just don't take it once. He said, take it five or six times if you have to. And then he said, and keep on playing guitar. And I said, but I haven't played guitar since I was like 18 or 19. I was like 27 then. This is about when I was about to get out of the command. And he said, Daryl, you don't understand. You're playing it right now. I'm like, he like really wanted to like emphasize that. So he was like, on one hand, it was kind of like, that's not you. That was a different life. And on the other hand, he was like saying like, you don't understand. You're doing that right now. And that kind of just goes into the whole thing. I almost felt like he explained it because he said that by the time you're going to be yourself again, your life's going to be over is what he told me. And he didn't mean it in the sense that like I was going to take my own life or anything like that. He meant in the sense that I'd be middle-aged. You know, he's like, you're going to, you'll be like 44, 45 years old before you start remembering these things. And it's almost like, it seems like, I don't know if it, I don't think it's really a time thing. I think it's almost like your age. You know, there's almost like two of you and you're kind of like sharing the same consciousness and you're not really you again until the one comes back. You know, and then that's, and, that's until what you're Tony, out of the time loop. Tony Rodriguez, I believe, talks about that where he said, I remember him saying at the like the exact moment in his his earth life when his 20 and back ended is when he like felt it. He felt like he became himself again, essentially to to yeah, uh, he woke simply. he woke um, up and he knew it was over. Like he knew he, Yeah, that. he said he just had the feeling of oh my God, it's over. Like he didn't know why he had that feeling. He didn't know what that meant, but he said he just had that, that feeling. And it was like, before that, he said he was almost in this, like, um, this uh, slightly dissociated state, I guess you could say, where he was like, he was just like semi out of it his whole life before that. Um, because, and that makes sense. Like you said, it's like your consciousness being shared by two beings. So he wasn't fully able to be present in in his body until that came back when when it ended so that that definitely lines up with what he said yeah um, and i would have been the same way i just would have been floating around and not known anything probably till i came back or whatever but you know mm -hmm. it was a you know a captain in the navy was telling me this stuff it wasn't just some guy you know what i mean i had no idea i knew the man but it was like he you know he even said he's like you were like a son to me he told me that and i you know i didn't know him at all and it was just if he hadn't have done that, if he hadn't have like said that or done that stuff, I, I would have been completely lost. But uh, you know, at least he gave me maybe that's what he was trying to do to give me some sort of footing or grounding or something, something to try to help me out. You know, I think right. that's what he was trying to do. And if it wasn't for that, I would have, I would have thought it was like a bad dream or something. Right. You know? so, yeah. Yeah. So Rebecca, at what point in your life, at what age do you think your twenty and back began? Or 
Oh, the tw- I mean, there was a lot going on before I was taken for 20 and back. I was I, yeah, I know that. Yeah. 1982. So I was nine years old. Okay. Um, you, th- you might've said that already. Sorry. Yeah, right before I turned 10. So I, I do know that. Um, yeah. And, and do you have any memory of what that process looked like at, at all? Or you just kind of have, it's just pretty foggy or what? You mean coming back or? No, no, no. Leaving actually. Like going oh, into I it. remember being pulled out of the side of my house. I mean, there was that I had so many abductions when I was a kid, but this was like, I remember leaving, leaving and looking back. It was like in slow motion, you're levitating and being pulled at the same time, like in a vacuum, your body, my body felt like a rag doll. And I was mm-hmm. looking back at my, you know, the, the kitchen and the light, the light was on in the kitchen at, at night. And I could, I'm like, this just isn't going to go good. And it almost felt like it was playing out in slow motion. Um, yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing, there's nothing, there's uh, frustration and not being able to stop what's happening. Um, but that feeling typifies so many of the abductions I was having. Um, yeah. I mean, I was always waking up in my sleep, mute and paralyzed and trying to get away from something. Hmm. Um, anyway. Same. Yeah. Right. Likewise. Been there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, oh, is this unanimous? Oh my God. Um, yes. So I also, I used to have lay in bed when I was a kid and I was afraid that aliens were going to come through my wall. And I had no reference point or no reason to be afraid of that. I remember because you know, my bed, there's a twin bed and it was up against the wall and there was a window. I wasn't afraid of them coming in the window. I was afraid of them coming through the wall. It was really weird. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. But when you said that, it just reminded me of that. Mm-hmm. um who knows and the whole paralysis thing you know it's all it's a mystery <laughs> it's a mystery but I, I think we should probably it might be actually helpful to do an entire episode on that alone because mm-hmm. um that can ruin your life if you let that stuff take i mean if you don't know what to do about it uh you i mean it'll ruin your life in the sense that you're not going to sleep anymore <laughs> and uh your daily life just begins to suck yeah if you if you don't process the fear yeah and right yeah or learn how to or learn how to literally protect yourself and do something about it which is which is what the biggest the biggest revelation for me was understanding that oh i can actually do something about this you know and that's where when did you make that realization um pretty i don't know maybe five years into it happening really yeah um i well yeah, well, I started figuring out, I don't know, something's probably subconsciously guided me, but I started figuring out techniques and ways to combat it uh, on my own. And I don't know if it would even work for anyone else. It, it all was happening through a lucid dreaming experience for me. And I learned how to control that. And I learned how to know what to look for um, because they infiltrate your dreams. And then that's how it all starts. So if you can, if you can figure out that the point of origin where they're trying to come from, then you can stop it. And I would typically just figure out, I, I would know, I would call it a glitch. I would, would know when I would see that glitch in my dream and I would, I would see it and I'm like, nope, nice try. And I would literally wake myself up out of my dream and I would stay there in bed and I would do clearings and put protection up and fall back asleep. And after that, my, they stopped, you know, for the most part. Yeah. So there are things you could do about it. Um, so this, uh, I wanted to ask you guys if you would mind sharing, uh, give the audience a glimpse of what you're going to be speaking about at the conference coming up. Uh, I don't, you know, you don't have to give it all away, but if you want to share a little bit about um, what you're going to be sharing with the audience. 
Uh, Daryl, start. <laughs> I mean, for me, I've, I've never done this before, so it, it's all new to me. So um, I'm probably pretty much just going to share the story. And if anybody has any questions, of course, I'll answer anything I can. But uh, I mean, there's some things I haven't talked about yet that, you know, I could say I could say for the, you know, for the event coming up. But uh, I mean, as far as as far as all that, I, I haven't really done one before, so you know we'll have to see. We'll have to find out. Right. Well, and that's all. That's all that matters anyway. Is telling the story because what I'm finding out is that um, the people who are going to be there almost. I wouldn't be surprised if everybody in the audience is in the programs. Uh, <laughs> the people are all being guided there for a reason, and most of them are is because they're having their own experiences. I've lost count of the amount of people who've reached out telling me that that's why they're coming and they feel they're just being drawn there. Like they're being activated. And I really think some on some layer, some level is all going to be very healing for everybody who's there being uh, it's just like, there's that, just that knowingness that we've all been a part of something and just being able to be around those people and figure it out is huge. I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Daryl, definitely looking forward to hearing the new stuff for sure. And yeah, like I said in my story, that stuff happens because when I woke up like from the density chair, I looked to my right and I saw three guys like sitting on like a mattress on the floor and they looked like they were in club clothes. So, you know, I think it's kind of common for them to be Shanghai and everything else. You know, <laughs> I think that happens often. People don't even know they've been taken and they've been taken. Right. Well, it, that's exactly oh, yeah. what we're experiencing right now. A, a lot more people are realizing. And and it sounds crazy that there could be so many people coming forward because obviously there's the fake whistleblowers and the shills trying to muddy the waters, um, trying to you know ruin things for the people who have real memories. Um, but if William Tompkins was right about his number being in the millions in the 80s, of course, we're going to have people every day remembering stuff now. And I don't know, like I said, it was all experimental back then. So they could have no way of knowing really how it was all going to pan out. Uh, but well, more think about how we care. Oh, yeah. sorry. Real, real quick. This is what I've thought about for a while is like, think about how many people probably do have had memories come back, but they're too scared. They have a family, they have a job. They're too scared to come forward and come public with, because think about it, this type of information is not like, it's pretty heavy stuff. It's pretty, it's not without consequences if you're going to talk about this publicly for most people. Totally, for most it's people, high stakes. For most, <laughs> for most people, exactly. So I'm like, there's probably a lot more people than we realize that have had memories come back. They're just too scared to come forward or they just, they're, it, the consequences in their mind are too great um, for where they're at in their life that they don't, they don't want to come forward. Or maybe they've only told a few people, close people in their life, you know. I, 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 I cannot say, yeah, I, just, I so agree with that because I, I mean, I work with, I'm an intuitive, so I work with clients all the time and I get notes from people all the time who are like, mm. I've never told this to anybody and this is coming out and I don't know what to do and uh, all the crazy stories that I get. And there's time, I mean, I hear from people every day that are grappling with these memories. So absolutely, yeah. the numbers are huge, they're high. Go everybody's coming into full flower with their, you know, the desire to know, I think as we're moving through this transit in the culture right now, the, all of us in this, on this planet, it, it's like, 
emerging from the depths to be, you know, like clearing the shadow material. This is what we're doing. So like the, the secret space conference is a huge service to that. And what you said, Tyler, is spot on about the healing here, you mm-hmm. know, the healing that can take place when we all come together, like in human form, like we're, we're not behind a screen. It kind of scares me a little bit. Like, oh, people are going to see all my, you know, right. <laughs> you know my, yeah. my volume um anyway no it's, it's it's true though i always i always joke and say we never know if these if you guys have legs or not like you can yeah. Yeah. <laughs> are you in a wheelchair or what yeah i don't you're know a robot or you're yeah. a real person yeah <laughs> um uh what are you going to be sharing with us at the conference rebecca Oh, new, new stuff. There's always new nuances and new big stuff coming in and, and trying to connect the dots in the context. And I'd like to talk about, I'm really curious about what I call the MyLab uh, family breeding program. Um, maybe talk some about that because I think some people maybe connect dots in their own families, you know, their own history, like maybe looking at it a little different. But I think for me, tuning into um, what what is intuitively, what is most needed for this audience? You know, I might not know until I'm you know, a few weeks before, but, but there's, I want to talk about the twinning, the, the psychic twinning thing on Mars, which is really compelling and huge information for me. Um, and just like Daryl said, you know, kind of give a, what can I do in 90 minutes plus a Q and a, you know, I kind of got to pick my things wisely, but, um, and, and bring it around to healing so that there, like we said, there's light in the story. Right. And every, just so you know, and everybody, all the speakers are having to get two hours. So um, there'll be plenty of time for that and questions. We set it up that way on purpose because it's not a subject. An hour is not enough. Even two hours isn't, but it's enough to at least, you know, do it justice on stage. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so we're, we're really looking forward to that. And I, I actually, if you want to, we've been covering this twinning, the, I don't know, the psychic twinning process on Mars might be something different than we've covered. Would you mind explaining what that is? Because I'm curious. Well, you know, so I was on the show at some point when I was on last year, I know you guys asked me, like, did you have a counterpart out there? And I was like, oh, no, I couldn't remember anything. And I met, I met I, through the ether in the energetic realm, I, a guy that I was twinned with purposefully trauma bonded and uh, psychically bonded, tortured together, wedded together sexually. We were sent to Mars together and worked as a team for a while. That's what I basically mean. And it's part of the, the twinning is part of the Illuminati playbook. It's, right. it's mm-hmm. man, it is. They got this from the Illuminati. So if that's what you're talking about on the show, this is very much an analog of that. Right. Yeah. It's a, yeah. The trauma bonded in most cases twinning. Um, mm-hmm. And it's going to look different for everybody. I know Daryl, you even had an experience with a Tijetan. Tijetan or Tijetan? How do you say that? Yeah, Tijetan. Hi, Jetton. You had an experience. That seemed to be a little more organic, though. That didn't seem to, to be like a twinning thing, did it? Um, I'm sorry. I, I don't real. So twinning, mean? twinning means like um, on some level, you were you were paired up as a child, right, with this person, Rebecca, and then. Like yeah. you're, we were kept in cages and tortured together. I mean, yeah, I don't think that's quite what. Trauma, trauma bonded. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not what Daryl experienced. Yeah. Not um, really a good thing. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. It's a, it's just a tool that they, they use essentially. Sounds like, but no, that's not Daryl's that, that, yeah. that wasn't no. Yeah. 
I just had experience as like a clone, and that was in the Dark Fleet. But I, I didn't have like any kind of twinning or anything. I lived, you know, besides some events, I really didn't really have any kind of, uh, as a child, any kind of anything to, to do with it. And like I said, whenever whenever they they first, when that first class was interviewing me, and after I walked through the metal detector, he even asked me. He said, uh, "Were you homeschooled?" And I said, "No." And he said, "Well, I guess you just slipped through the cracks after you know they got my scores and everything like that." So he was surprised that I, basically he seemed surprised that I wasn't already in the program or I hadn't been taken earlier at a younger age. Oh, that's why I asked if you're homeschooled because he just assumed. Yeah, he said, he said, were you homeschooled? It almost seemed like, I guess, like in public schools, they kind of, you know, if you have high scores or whatever like that, they kind of keep track of you. Right. Yeah. Uh, going back to the twinning thing real quick. The reason I brought it up, um, it, it's just different. It's interesting to me. We think about the programs and the military aspect. But you don't think about like you could fall in love and have a family also with somebody in the programs. And that's where it gets really confusing, because then you come back and you're not only like getting memories back, but you're missing people like Rebecca. Did you like being twin with that person? Did you love that person? Did absolutely. You... Right. Absolutely. Like my my whole. Yeah, my whole reason for living. And it's very, very good for missions, because if you care about somebody that you're on a mission with, you're going to have a successful mission because you don't want their ass to die. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's a different thing, but, and his memories, he's still alive. He's out there going through his memories. I know this. He's come to me, not in physical, in non-physical through the multidimensional gateway. Right. But his memory field is bound up with mine and his healing and my healing are bound together. We unlock each other. And I'm like, where the heck is this guy? I need him. <laughs> And when I, when he came, I could see, I mean, I've been given his whole, the vision of him is very, the picture, it's photographic, except for his face, which was in my, my vision was all pixelated. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have a name. I, I, I'm so curious, but it's, it's like, we're wed, we're bound. And like I said, some of the memory matter, I don't know if I can get through it entirely without him, which is interesting I, and, and whatever. I, I don't know. I 100% agree with that. Um, yeah, the healing process in particular, like not until that, until you unite, like, can you start the true healing process? I feel like because you're twinned, you know, and it's interesting because Dan Cooper, um, he says that him and his twin brother were taken into the programs and they, he called it a twinning program also, but they li use literal biological twins. That's their preference. They would right. prefer yeah. Right. Yeah. And there was there was the advantage and he would explain like in, in battle or whatever scenario you would be you would know what the other person was doing. So you 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 can like attack from both sides and you're always working in tandem in a way you just couldn't do with somebody else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's not just like love. They actually use actual twins, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and did you did you say you'd already had you done a show on? on on the relational bonding within the programs that would yeah. be amazing yeah, yeah we just did um eve eve organ uh it, yeah. yeah yeah um we we did that and it was a great episode it got a lot of great feedback and it, and the comments it connected so many dots for people Every, you know, there was a lot of aha moments 
because you have these people that show up in your life and you don't know the connection. And then when you hear about, oh, you could have been in the programs with this person or whatever program it might have been, it's like, oh, okay. And then all of a sudden, certain experiences that you've had throughout your life start making more sense, you know? So it's really crucial to understand this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. For your own sanity. (laughs) So uh, real quick on the current state of affairs, Daryl, I know your CEO, he was telling you, told you a lot about what was going to happen. He gave you like a timeline of things that were going to happen. What you're seeing right now, right now on the world stage is that matching what he told you well yeah because he said it would have to come out in a trickle and then it would eventually come out like what and it would flow out because he said that like you know the people they're not going to be able to just they're not going to be able to take this that you know people you idolize you know people who you thought were your heroes different politicians that you like the things that are going to come out on them people aren't going to be able to take it all at once So he told me it's going to be something where they're going to have to, you know, it's going to be a trickle. And it seems like it, I mean, you know, with Prince and what what happened in the Netherlands, I think with politicians over there, there was like a big, uh, you know, uh, scandal with uh, pedophilia and all that other stuff. And uh, so it's going to be difficult for people to accept this. So it it can't be brought out all at once. You know, people are so used to, TikTok and everything else, they just want everything to happen immediately. And it can't be like that because uh, the population, they, they just couldn't take it. They wouldn't either believe it or they just, they couldn't accept it. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, as far as I see, yeah, it, it's just, it's something that's going to have to happen slowly and it's happening. So, and he told me, you know, the whole COVID thing is going to be code word for, you know, this guy was taken out and everything like that. And he's like I said, he, he said it could be prolonged, but it can't be stopped. Is how he put it. Meaning, like yeah. if if uh, Queen Elizabeth gets COVID, it, it could be code word for her being taken out or something along those lines happening. Exactly. And I even asked him about because I lived in England at the time. I even said, that, you know, is the, is the royal family in all this? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, you know, will they be exposed? And he said, no. He said the Queen won't be exposed. He said because the people won't be able to accept it. The English people. So she might just pass on and you won't even hear about all the dirt on her. He said, he said, we're, we're he basically said, we're going to lock her in her palace. And she's going to die there. He's like, she's not allowed out. She's basically on house arrest in her palace. And she can't leave. Well, we even but, got mainstream articles saying that the queen was going to be going away for a while. Uh, however, the, however they worded it, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, okay, like clearly they're telling us something happened here. Uh, she might, or she won't be seen in public for the next what three months they said or something like that is real suspicious you know and uh it, that sounds exactly like what the case might be and i just wonder how many other people we're gonna the, how, how many other people it's already happened to we just don't know yeah i mean and you you haven't really seen people you know you haven't seen celebrities like you always see so it's like where are they all at you know why aren't there any movies why aren't there big smash hits playing and stuff you know it's just i i think this thing with tom hanks is he coming out with it where he plays the colonel with elvis presley and i don't know you know I, I i don't and like i said he was he he was big into it as far as what he told me he was like the kingpin you know as far yeah. as he told me about huh it seems it seems to me like there's this there's this um 
because you you know there's everything about the alliance and they're exposing things and the deep state is like re retaliating and doing things and they're they're getting more and more and more uh intense with they're pushing trying to push their agendas whatever they can do still and then you got the truckers and the pushback you know and all that happening but then they're bringing in UN troops to like beat up people and like it's like i'm curious like how bad things have to get or how thing how bad things are going to get before enough people and there's like some correlation between enough people have to wake up on a big enough scale um because if not then it's like people are still under this mind control and these belief systems of the, what the media is telling them and things like that and what the government's telling them and it's all lies you know so they're going to be reacting to those thinking it's truth and and the political bullshit that people think is you know uh so i'm like curious it's like obviously things are already getting crazy but how much it's like is there gonna have to be a whole lot of people die you know like like the jab is is that gonna kill a whole bunch of people and how how far are they gonna push that how far are they gonna push uh all these things yeah before, before things start to really change for the better you know and, and the 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 bad guys finally get taken out completely you know out of power well, he, that has yeah, to happen he told me that basically what their 30-year plan was they're making him doing it they're 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 the good guys are causing the bad guys to do it like within two years so all this insane stuff mm -hmm. that's happening right now is basically what, what's happening is they're showing you what these guys had planned for you but they were going to implement it over a slow period of time so that the public would accept it and people aren't accepting it now and he also yeah. said that uh you know the people are going to have to fight back they're going to have to do something like they won't be able to do it just on their own. That people are going to have to fight back, and I think a part, big part of this trucker convoy thing, is probably the people fighting back, because it's just one of those things where they're not going to just do it for you. You know what I mean? You you have to have some sort of skin in the game. You're going to have to do something. You know, they well, can't just drag you across the finish line. And uh, yeah, and also because it's actually a good sign to me that they they had to bring in you and troops. Uh, Apparently in Ottawa, they had UN troops that were disguised as Ottawa, Ottawa, Ottawa police for the most part doing all this stuff. And that says to me that they know they can't um, control the normal police to the extent they want to, that they weren't, they won't follow orders enough, you know, because if you lose, because essentially if they don't have police or military following their orders, who do they have to do their their dirty work or to enforce things they don't have anything they can't do it themselves you know so it, it's almost like that's falling apart on them and and the un is kind of like their last the last thing they have that will actually still follow their orders and yeah and stuff and so as soon as that falls apart or you know they don't have enough of them to really accomplish these things then and enough people wake up that are not complying and and pushing back and waking up it's like you can see the house of cards already crumbling, but it's like, all right, well, how 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 bad does it have to get fully for like enough people to stop complying to things, to stop believing the lies, uh, start seeing through the bullshit? I don't think and, it's uh, gonna. I don't think yeah. anyone has that real answer. Is how? No, it, no. I, what are your, what are your thoughts on all of this, Rebecca? Yeah, I, when, as Aaron's talking, I'm like, I was thinking that we were thinking that back in 2020, right? When COVID hit, and we're like, how long yeah. is this bullshit going to go on? Yeah, like, I was thinking about that. 
back then for <laughs> well, sure. How long, you know, how much are people going to take? Years um, later. Yeah. yeah. Keep taking it. He also told me, yeah, it has to be this way. It has to, he, he even, he had kind of like a empathetic look on his face. Like he felt bad that it, it happened. But he said it's going to be hard and a lot of people are going to die, but it has to be this way. Because he said that it has to be ingrained on the people's DNA. So it was almost like he kind of like brought up like a monarch kind of thing. It has to be in our DNA memory. So this will never happen again. You can't just, you know, save the day or whatever like that and it just have it happen again all over again. It'll just happen years. again. Yeah. Yeah. So the people, it has to be difficult. It has to be hard. He said that. Right. Because it has to be ingrained on the people's DNA. It'll be just like yeah. It'll be just it like sense. it'll be just like everything. We take everything for granted unless we're personally involved. You know, you know, you take it for granted mm-hmm. that you can just go buy fruit or produce. You know, and if somebody asks you, "Where do you get your fruit?" The store. Like you don't think about what it takes to grow that piece of fruit and harvest it and all that stuff. Like we just take things for granted. And if it's done for us, like no one cares. You never think twice about it, but when it gets real and you have to do something about it. Yeah. That's interesting. It gets ingrained in your DNA. You remember, you know, this and, and that can it, be, it goes, it goes into a knowing right. rather than just having the head knowledge of something. But yeah. The reason it's important is like you said, because that once it's in our DNA, that automatically gets passed down to our grandchildren our children and our grandchildren. Mm-hmm. So then the future generations have that gene in them that won't allow this to happen anymore. It's really and just imagine what it's doing to the kids that grew up in this. They had to wear the mask and, mm-hmm. you know, everything else. Oh, that, that's really like, that's a, a horrible thing to do to children, but that's, that's going to be a memory that's going to last with them when they grow up to adulthood. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it yeah. could be good for the good or it could be for the bad, but. You know, we'll have to find out. And I think that is like a big part of what he was talking about, too. Just, you know, it has to be ingrained on the memory of the people. So this will never happen again, like ever. Totally. What totally. And we're and and we own the the change rather than some outside force doing everything for us. And then it's like we're the ones that are going to demand the change and, and change things. You know, we're we're the ones creating this reality ultimately. So, like, we have to own it and. uh yeah, right. it, it, it's almost like it just has to happen. It's like, it's it's basically like, it's as hard as we make it ourselves. And even yeah. if we re, we realize that or not consciously, you know, we're the ones creating. Well, creating and, it, and it eventually, I think it has to get to a breaking point. And that's that's what we're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what we're looking for, that breaking point. So It feels to me like it's coming really soon, though. Like we're really, right. we're we, right we, at the like the precipice of, of yeah regardless i i see us moving into this energies and, uh, and all these events happening I, there's no going back at this point so yeah. like we know it's no. coming we know it's coming so yeah we want to see it sooner than later but we go, inevitably it's happening so that's the good news that's the good news i think it just could be yeah it, it could take a lot longer because of us we might be the ones wanting it to happen so quickly, but it also could be because of us that it's taking so long. So it's interesting for anyone out there listening to this to start considering that. And I read something today online. It's like, yeah, you can expose the agenda all you want, but you also have to be simultaneously creating the reality that you want to see. Putting exactly. your energy exactly. into that also. And what are you putting your energy into to create? And you have to know what you want before you can create a reality you truly want to. So that's it's almost like that's the first step figuring out what we want 
and this is what like Alex Collier talks about all the time. Humanity needs to figure out what it wants, what it wants to create, and then put your energy alt to that. And then and then take it take your energy out of because so many people, you know, we've been manipulated to put all our energy into the system, into the corrupt system. And well, we're, we're the ones feeding it. The exposure of the how 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 it's falling apart is maybe making people, you know, ripe and ready to receive a new vision for humanity. Is that a possibility? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's Absolutely. all it's like almost in a way divinely orchestrated. I think we'll yeah, see that more is. as this plays out, like the divine, you know, this is a, actually a passage that we need, like, just like when I get some, like, some crazy thing is going on in my life that I really, you know, I'd rather not have, but like, it's the passage that we, I needed to, to learn the lesson and make the change I needed, right? Right. And even though mm-hmm. there is a lot of death coming from this, like, it's, death is a transition. We know what death happens. Isn't, it's, it's yeah. you know, that. It's not something that, to be feared. Right. And if anything, yeah. that soul now can be even more impactful in this war. Um, now that it, it it's it's a perfect time. So it's like when we're losing these people, we're not really losing them. If anything, it might be strengthening the army. It might have a backfire effect uh, on this exactly. whole movement. You know, uh, exactly. they might, I think they it might, is. Yeah, they might be trying to depopulate us, but they don't like somebody doesn't just die. You know, what are they doing? Yeah, I mean, after? They can, there's a lot that happens after you know people die, and they're they're still they're still they're still in consciousness somewhere, and they can be helping us from beyond. Well. Uh, exactly that's why it's important what like people like laura van tyne do is they they clean up the fourth dimension so when people pass they make sure that they go to the right place instead of getting stuck in that soul trap and that reincarnation which the illuminati or the cabal has set up so they understand that some of these people that die or get sucked right back into it but there's also an opposing force now that they've never had before making sure that these souls go to the light for lack of a better term instead of getting sucked in that and yeah. this is a huge thing also that we don't think about this multi-layered yeah you know this is interesting last summer i was out watering my garden not thinking about anything and i had max spears manifested on my right side he took oh, no way. and he looked me right in the eyes and he said it's going to be okay and wow. i had such a sense I went for a walk in the woods after that and I had him with me and it was, wow, I'm going to start crying. <laughs> so moving. And I had wow, this sense that he was doing that very important work that he couldn't do while he was still here in the body because he was, mm-hmm. he was kind of overtaken. Very of course, overtaken. of course and, he was. Yeah, yeah. He threw up, he threw up black, black goo when he, when he died. Oh, right. I, so, I, 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 I'm not trying yeah. to make light of his passage and his destruction. Um, but but no, not at all. strong sense that he was very empowered out there and working in light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a, a perfect perfect that's example. Amazing. Perfect example of it. Yeah, perfect example. Yeah, I, I used the uh, analogy the other day about what we see happening is like a controlled demolition. It's a like a building. Yeah. Like when you can like it's a controlled demolition. And let's just say we've the building has been imploded, and right now. The ground crew is cleaning up the mess and there's still some dangers. There's some hot electric. There's some maybe a gas leak. There's some survivors. There's death. It's all messy. And so the ground crew is moving and cleaning up the mess right now. So I feel like the building has imploded and what we're seeing now is the mess being cleaned up. And there's still a lot. It's not easy. It's dangerous. 
I also feel yeah. that the the energy field around there's changes happening in our atmosphere and around despite space vents and everything else that's done been done to to keep this planet in lockdown there I feel like there's a lot of um, shift going on like when we talk about our own energy field being cleansed there's something going on in our planetary energy field that is shifting I think it's aiding yeah. and abetting the process of what's going on and maybe also running in tandem with it with the awakening of consciousness on our planet so right. Interesting to look yeah. at it from, from that dimension, sort of a bigger lens, maybe. Yeah, we just had the 2022 yeah, portal, totally. uh, yeah. which yeah. I don't know if that could, like, you could see that as a merging of timelines. You know, everybody has their own opinion or they feel in, intuitively yeah. they, they know what happened on that day. Either way, we can collectively agree there was some sort of shift that happened. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see where, where we go for the rest of this year. And all, I think everything's fair game. I would not be surprised if anything, anything, I don't think anything would surprise me at this point. Uh, UFO landing on the right. White House lawn, right. you know, right. whatever. Right. Yeah. Well, this has been absolutely fantastic, guys. Thank you so much for coming on and joining us and chatting with us. It's super fascinating. Uh, Daryl, Rebecca, do you guys have any last words before we wrap this up? Oh, uh, I'd just like to say, you know, um, don't lose faith and, you know, nobody likes uh, I told you so. So, you know, well, it, you got all these people that they're starting to realize the vaccines are having adverse effects. You see all these athletes, soccer players falling down in the field and everything like that. I mean, you know, don't be, you know, be kind to others. People didn't know, you know, so. Yes, it's people... Yeah, I mean, when you understand the the mind control that's been on this planet, like it's it, to me, it's totally understandable that people believe. You know, they just don't know any better. Right. So that's a great point not, to bring that up, Daryl. That's a great reminder, actually. That is a great. That is a yeah. great point. Because uh, we get, we do, we find ourselves getting angry at some of these people who don't see it. You know, but were we not all once there? You know. Yeah. Hold, being in a space of love definitely and acceptance yeah and bringing it around to support. unity and and yeah. yeah 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 definitely right well that's, that's it we look forward to seeing you guys in the flesh at the conference i'm super excited about it um guys who missed the beginning you can find tickets to our conference in grafton illinois may 2nd through the 5th at secretspaceconference.info that link is in the description below Tickets are $444, which includes your meal plan, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, buffet, Monday, Thursday, or Monday through Thursday. Uh, so it's a great deal. The, the ticket's basically paying for your food for the most part. Um, we, you know, we have some people reaching out saying it's way too expensive, but I mean, it's really not. And look around, everything's expensive right now. We can, we're doing this as cheap as we can. So yeah, uh, for the venue that that it's at, like we have right. to pay the venue. So. It, well, yeah, that too, and it, and it's and yeah, people, it it's funny. Somebody was like, "Well, why don't you just choose a cheaper venue?" I'm like, "Actually, it's the cheapest venue around. It just happens That's to be the, like the one we wanted one we could too. Find too." Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the whole cost thing, I understand that it's not going to be uh, doable for everyone. That's why we have a live stream ticket available. Also, if you can't make it. Uh, but we would love to see you all there. Come hang out with us. It's going to be great. Uh, I, I, the closer it gets, the more excited I get. And uh, can't wait to see you guys. Can't wait to hear from everybody. And it's going to be amazing. Um, and, and where can people find you guys, Rebecca? 
Where can people yeah, find RebeccaRoseBarfoot.com. That'll be down in the description. You can order Akashic Sessions with me and Starseed Coaching Sessions, Galactic Attunements, and um, all sorts of stuff. So check that out and go to my YouTube. Uh, I'd love to see you over there. Right. And go check out her series. I'm not going to get it wrong this time. Bringing Light to the Darkness. Yeah, series yeah. two is the, is the channel. Yeah. And then, uh, Daryl, do you have a contact or anything where people can find you? Uh, mine's just DarylDJames.com is my uh, website. And I, I just have, like, all my videos on it. So I, I really don't have any kind of, you know, business plan with it. Okay. Like just a place to find all my videos. Cool. Well, all those links will be in the description also. So, so grab a ticket. Come hang out with us. Thank you guys for joining us. And until next time, have a great evening. Good night, everyone. He said, um, listen, give me two years. You'll never want to come back. Uh, the adventure of a lifetime, and nobody will know you're gone. You get deployed at 17 and a half. And now I was deployed from the New York Athletic Club. And we got actually deployed right out of the locker room from, uh, you know, you're beamed up to the ship, and then the ship takes off, and you're gone for 20 years. That's a very hard pill to swallow, but that's exactly how I experienced it. I was taken at 10 years old. I was taken and I was worked through several black programs. I was privately owned in the beginning. I did six, six or seven years on earth. Uh, that's when all the stuff for the programs began for me. Uh, specifically, uh, the tracking that they had been doing since I was a kid, it followed me all the way through the military. And at that point, when I got to Diego Garcia, that's where I was taken off planet. It like opened that floodgate for me. And then all of these recalls started coming in and I was just like, oh my gosh. And the way I was describing it, she's like, I've never had this with a client, but it, that you're, you're describing a parallel life right now. It's a combination of human and other species. Um, I was able to remember the name on their uniform. It's USS R-Corp. That was putting me through some kind of recruitment um, tests from age three until 12 and 12 is when I was potentially well taken he said uh and with your scores I guarantee you'll make commander and you'll make pilot and I said pilot of what and he said uh four kilometer long starship he told me what was going to happen he, he said you volunteer for the program we'll put you in you'll do 20 years we'll um send you back in time 20 years age regress you 20 years Wipe your memory and you'll just wake up in bed like nothing happened. It's almost beyond words, it's beyond comprehension of how this could happen. Whoever's masterminding this, you know, the Air Force, you know, working with extraterrestrials, working with a lot of pretty wild technology, which I'll also get into, it's really beyond fathomable. It's beyond fathomable.